Welcome to Geek Catch-Up. I'm Kyle Eckert alongside Chris Heck. We're two lifelong friends with a passion for all things geek, whether it's gaming, movies, television, wrestling, comics, whatever. If it's nerdy, there's a good chance we're into it. You are listening to Chapter 6 of Season 1. Today, we're taking a look at what's to come from the world of geekery in 2020, some of the hottest video game titles, as well as a few of the blockbuster movies and television releases. But up first, we're talking about the new video game consoles coming our way this year. For the past two decades, gamers everywhere have witnessed an epic battle between two video game console goliaths. A war that has lasted three generations and in 2020 will spill over into a fourth. Of course, we're talking about the rivalry between the Sony PlayStation and Microsoft Xbox. The original fight for console gaming supremacy may have started years earlier, but this war began when the first Sony PlayStation released on December 3rd, 1994 in Japan. Sony would follow up the PlayStation with the PlayStation 2 console in 2000, and then a year later, Microsoft's Xbox would debut as a direct competitor. The two companies would go head-to-head over the next 18 years, the Xbox 360 coming in 2005, the PlayStation 3 in 2006, then both Xbox One and PlayStation 4 dropping in 2013. With various slim and pro models along the way, we are now entering our fourth era of the console wars. In 2020, we will not only see the release of the new PlayStation console, but also the new Xbox Series X. Chris, let's jump into it here and take a look at the features, specs, and other highlights these new consoles have to offer. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, we're going to start here with the Xbox Series X, which was formerly known as the Project Scarlet as it was being developed and we started first hearing uh, information that new consoles were coming. That was Project Scarlet was the original name that we got from Microsoft as they were trying to be all you know sleek and <laughs> secretive. Um, but af- after the announcement that just came a couple of weeks ago, we did see that the new one is actually going to be called the Xbox Series X. It's kind of an interesting um, name for it, but I, it, my suspicions were were confirmed here when they did this in the fact that you know video game consoles are moving more into the realm. Uh, of an industry like cell phones, right, where everything works, everything is on the same uh, operating system, all those kinds of things, but you have different hardware sure. options as you go. Yeah, just the base uh, models and pro exactly. models and things like that. iPhone 10, iPhone 11, iPhone Pro, you yeah. know, <laughs> whatever it may be. And we started to see some of that uh, with the recent lines, right? We had the PS4, we had the PS4 Pro. Uh, Xbox One, Xbox One S, Xbox One X. <laughs> you know, there's been a whole bunch of them, and each one of those, the real, you know, differentiation is what the hardware is inside. So you're almost jumping if you went from say like a PS4 to a PS4 Pro, or an Xbox One to an Xbox One X. You know, you were kind of jumping ahead a little bit uh, in the console generation because you were probably performing a little better than the baseline. Um, but this next jump with the Series X and the PS5 is really, I think, going to be one of the biggest jumps that we, we've seen in the console generation in a number of years. Yeah, it's uh, taken a huge leap. Uh, you know, And with every generation jump, you, you want to see huge leaps. But it does seem that this past generation, uh, the third generation to the fourth generation, uh, is going to be a big one. Yep. As far as power and capabilities 
and really overall experience for the gamer. Exactly, exactly. So looking here at the Series X, uh, of course, you know, we don't have confirmed release dates. We know that it'll be in the holiday of 2020s, uh, 2020s, holiday of 2020, um, which typically is the October to December season. Based on what we've seen in the past, my prediction is going to be like a mid-November release. That typically is what happens, you know, a week or two before Black Friday. Um, And and I'm really excited about the fact that they're going to, they're going to move in this direction where they're going to stay with, you know, just increasing hardware and allowing uh, the consumers, people like you and I, to choose whether or not we want that increased performance, right? You know, it doesn't force your hand so much as it has in the past to get that new console to be able to play the latest games and get all the latest uh, functionality, you know, sure, you'll be able yeah. to stick with your current gen and play a lot of new games still. Um, if you don't want to necessarily upgrade right away, but for for other folks, maybe someone more like myself that tends to to jump on things right away, I'm definitely excited for the holidays as they come up. Um, you know, and it'll be interesting too to see with with the move to the Series X and kind of that style. You know, how fast beyond that we'll see other you know versions of the new Xbox or the PS5 come out down the road. Yeah, like if they have a planned schedule release. Of like I think of the way like not necessarily I guess iPhone haven't exactly done it this way but they drop the iPhone on you and then three months down the line they're like okay well it's time for the iPhone color exactly or, you know, the iPhone S or exactly. 11S however you want to look at that right and I and I think that, that we might start seeing a little bit more of that you know hopefully it won't be too fast so you don't get buyer's remorse right away right but um, but another big thing that I think came with, with some of the information we've gotten on the new consoles, at least for Microsoft, was that they confirmed a few months back that all currently owned accessories, so I'm talking controllers, headsets, uh, remote controls, those types of things, are going to be compatible with the new Xbox. So, you know, if you've got to buy a new Pro Controller sometime in the next couple of months or whatever, it's not as as big of a risk because you know that you'll be able to use that on the next console if you choose to upgrade. 100% because that's actually a huge deal when you go to buy a new console. I think of we had a few discussions with a couple of buddies who were talking about buying a Switch very recently. And they said, well, you can't just buy a console out the gate and then just take it home and play because most consoles only come with one controller. Yep. So if you really want to take it home and fully utilize it, there's a ton of accessories that you need to a second controller uh, to, or maybe a charging port or things like that. So to know that the old accessories work, you'll get a lot more people maybe buying it on day one saying, OK, well, I can I can splurge on the console purchase, but I don't have to do all the extra bells and whistles just yet. So that's really For nice. sure. Yeah, especially for established gamers like, you know, you or I or a lot of the folks that are out there that, you know, have had a couple different generations of these consoles. You kind of build that that catalog of <laughs> or inventory is the word I'm looking for, you know, that inventory of those accessories. And, and in most cases, yeah, as soon as you buy the new one, maybe you, you keep them around for a while. Eventually, you probably just throw them out. But And then the flip side is that, you know, controllers these days for a new PlayStation controller, new Xbox controller, if they're not on sale, you're talking 50 to 60 bucks that you've got to shell out. So, yeah, if you want to grab a new console, you need that new Turtle Beach headset, you need that extra controller, you know, you're adding in 100 to $200 of extra purchase to to what you're doing when you're picking up that four or $500 brand new console. 
Sure, and you never want to be put in a situation where a new controller costs fifty, sixty dollars. For that's the price of a game. So you're exactly. you're in a situation where you have to make a decision: Do I want another game or do I want to buy a controller? And that's right. that's an awful pickle to be in. Like it is. You want to go game all day, but then what happens when your your friends come over, or uh, you you just want a second controller for whatever reason you may have. Um, yeah, so. it's 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 been an it's been an issue that probably I would bet that most every gamer has has gone through uh, as we as they've you know moved console to console, especially if you've been somebody that's been in this industry and and playing games for you know more than probably five years, you know more than one generation of consoles. Um, but I think that'll be a big benefit for the consumer. There have been some questions because of that, you know, as far as whether or not the Series X will ship with a controller. I think that's a little bit uh, extreme. I, I just can't imagine any console ga- any console hardware getting shipped without at least one controller, right? Because you're immediately alienating your brand new oh, customer. Right? No way. There's no way um, it doesn't ship with something. Right, exactly. But there have been those rumors out there, so we we definitely have to to see exactly how everything will shake out. But you know, let's move in here and talk a little bit about um, you know, what we're seeing as far as expected technical specs for the Xbox Series X. And of course, I have to throw out the disclaimer that this is all unconfirmed. I wish I had more inside knowledge, but I don't. Um, but, you know, we are getting a lot of reports and a lot of tidbits that have come out over the last few months. There was a big leak just in the last couple of uh, days, I believe, that kind of took us a little bit further in the understanding of what we're probably going to see in these. But um, so from what we've seen so far, according to, to TechRadar.com, they're looking at for the Microsoft Xbox Series X a uh, a new custom designed AMD processor, which will use Zen 2 and Navi architecture. Um, we're gonna probably see something along the lines of twice the power as the current Xbox One X, which that's a pretty big yeah, jump. That's I'm, huge. Yeah, I'm I'm running an Xbox One X right now, and I have not had any complaints. You know, with the speed. The graphics, you know, the 4K resolution, all of that. So to, when I saw, you know, expecting twice as powerful, I was like, man, I'm ready for this. <laughs> yeah, like goodbye loading screen. <laughs> right, right. Um, some other things we've seen so far is that they are expecting it'll be capable of running games at 120 frames per second. Um, I know those are a little bit more of the speeds we see with PC gaming. And, you know, you obviously have to have a TV that can keep up with that as well. So we'll see, you know, how much they get in. I know that the the goal was to make it so every game, from what I've read, every game to run at minimum at 60 frames per uh, per second on 4K TVs. Um, so I think anything above that will be kind of bonus. Sure. Um, but along with the 120 frames per second, they're also talking about possible 8K resolution. So as we see the 8K and next generation of TVs come out. It looks like they're trying to set themselves up to be able to to utilize that. And then um, probably the the next couple things here are the the biggest things that we'll see that'll change things is um, the new graphicsing processors are going to be ray tracing capable. And for those of you that aren't familiar with that, ray tracing is is really around the the lighting in a game, right? Sure. You know, when you see that beam of light that comes in from the window or from a from a fixture inside of a room, you know, in most current gen games and really everything from the past, you would get one line 
right? Yeah. You know, you would see it come down on one angle through the window. It would hit the ground. It wouldn't reflect. It wouldn't shine. It wouldn't do anything yeah. like that. It right? would just like, die on the spot. It would die on the spot, exactly. It wasn't very realistic. Um, but with ray tracing capabilities, we've seen a lot of it in, in increased CGI in Hollywood. Um, some things, I think, have trickled in a little bit in certain games that have come out recently, but not the full capabilities, I think, of what we're talking about on these next-gen. But, you know, we'll be able to finally see, like in the in a game like The Last of Us where lighting was a big deal, you know, those those moments where you're thinking we were going through a broken building and the sunshine comes right through, you know. With yeah. ray tracing, the new up, upgraded capabilities, we should see things like, that that light bounce off of a piece of glass and then reflect to another point on the screen or you know it'll reflect off that puddle of water it should just give a much more immersive realistic feel yeah that that realistic is the word that came to mind that what you see with your human eye uh, as you walk you know down the street or when you take a look at a creek or something the light comes in it bounces off the puddle and it goes in multiple directions you may get a glare from one angle, but not get a glare from another. So that that's pretty cool. Like it, it just, it's more, it, more immersive. Yep. Uh, and as and as games develop further on these new consoles, and graphics get better, and maybe VR capabilities get better, anything that immerses you deeper into the gameplay is a bonus, and it's going to be really cool. For sure, and it's things like that that I feel like the game developers are really going to have to start you know working hard to do because you know for guys like you and i we've been gaming for 25 years we've seen everything from 8-bit tune to you know current gen stuff that's looking damn near realistic and so you know how are you going to impress us <laughs> yeah you know, how do you take us into the next generation when things are already looking so good today and i think ray tracing is going to be one of those keys yeah it's been a big step up in the movie industry uh for we know sure. we know that it came from that ray tracing originated from the movie industry and CGI. And uh, you look at movies like Star Wars or the Avengers that are a nice blend of CGI and uh, maybe puppeteering and live action things. So to blur that line of what's real and what's not real, uh, it, it's, it's going to take it next level for us and, and really get us into the next stratosphere. I agree. And I have a prediction that I think that as we move you know, into the next generation here that, and especially with how much uh, game developers are using Hollywood actors, Hollywood writers, and motion capture, it's going to start getting really hard to determine, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm looking at a video game, or I'm looking at real life, or I'm looking at CGI in a, you know, AAA Hollywood blockbuster like Avengers Endgame or something. And, and that's, that's really just, it's good for us, right? As gamers, yeah. it's what we want to see. Um, especially console gamers, right? Because a lot of times console gamers, we lag behind because we don't have the ability to go in and just upgrade our graphics card and our, our PC and push the boundaries of a game that just came out um, and, and things like that. So really jumping in and getting on, on that level, I think, is going to be a big, big boost for, for the gaming community. No, 100%. It'll be, it'll be pretty sweet. Um, any other major specs that we want to look at here? Yeah, the last two things here, and then we'll start jumping into the to the PlayStation 5, but the last two things that we know that it's going to have um, is is a solid-state hard drive, which I think is really the number one uh, impact that we're going to see as console gamers is that move from traditional 
spinning hard drives that have to search through you know yeah. thousands and thousands of pieces of information to call up what they need to a solid state drive which you know if you're not familiar we're not going to get into all of it but essentially the big difference is is that solid state drives have no working parts right they're more stable sure. they can call up information numerous times faster than traditional hard drives and um and they if you have a computer or anything today that has a solid state drive, you know the difference because you almost have zero load times for your applications to open. And man, if we can get rid of load times <laughs> in video games, oh, it'll be uh, a good yeah. time to play games. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, do you think, uh, given with the pro models and the different levels, uh, as far as the Xbox, you you know historically you've been an Xbox guy. Is, do you think this will be a day one purchase for you, or are you going to wait and see what they do? You know, it's interesting because, as we said a little bit ago, the fact that, that the new consoles, at least for Xbox, they're promoting, will play pretty much all of the the games that come out, you know, backwards compatible and everything. I was, I, I've, I've tried to tell myself a couple times, like, oh, you know, you can wait. You could give it some time and grab one. You don't have to upgrade right away. But reality, unless something changes, I'm just the type of consumer that with certain products like a game console, yeah. I typically adopt early. And so um, maybe I don't get it on day one, but maybe by Black Friday or at least that Christmas, I'll probably probably pick one up. So sometime within the first month, at least. like That's what I would expect. You're not going to be waiting in line for four days outside of Best Buy <laughs> like we did when I bought the PlayStation 3 back in the day uh, with, <laughs> yeah. with my brother, but... You know, definitely I haven't within done the that first since month. the 360 release. I, I actually, yeah. quick, quick, cool story though. But that was the last time I stood in line uh, for a console release was the Xbox 360 a few years back, and I actually uh, spent an hour and a half in line next to Steve Smith, the legendary wide receiver from the Carolina Panthers, because yeah. he was there too. It was an old Circuit <laughs> City, and he was actually number one. His car was there in the parking lot when I when I showed up. And then I was number two, and so we, we pretty much hung out. You'd never believe how short that guy is for how BC played on on uh, on the field. But um, I hadn't thought about that in a while, so I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I actually forgot that. I remember <laughs> that. I remember that back when, when it happened, and I totally forgot that it had happened. So yeah, the, I think the last piece that we know of so far here, as far as the Xbox goes, um, was around the GPU. There's been some some different uh, theories out there as far as how powerful the the processing units are going to be for the new consoles. But according to that that big leak that I mentioned earlier that came out, uh, Digital Foundry um, found references to uh, the GPU in the Xbox Series X possibly producing up to 12 teraflops of power, which is absolutely massive. Um, teraflops is kind of in a nutshell is the culmination of just how fast it can process, how much it can push out at, at one time. And they measure that in teraflops. And so I, I forget what exactly the current ones are at. I want to say it was like five or six, somewhere in there. Yeah, I um, remember it being like almost double, if yeah. not if not double. Yeah, so if that lives up, it'll hit that total or that you know original expectation of being twice as powerful as the Xbox One X, and and I think that they're going that route because Microsoft had said their target was at minimum that 60 frames per second uh, across the board and on 4K TVs. So they're gonna have to get into that range to really be able to hit that on pretty much every every game. 
um, but we will have to see. So there's a lot to be excited here. You know, I think we're like I said, we're going to get some big jumps, but uh, we're going to have to wait and see over the next couple of months as they finally start to, you know, confirm exactly what Microsoft is going to put in this thing. Yeah, we're just in a spot right now with these consoles where there's we're doing a lot of limited information and leaks and rumors. There's not a lot of hard content out there. So, you know, hopefully between now and the holiday season, uh, hopefully here in quarter one of yep. 2020, we get something concrete as far as what these machines will be able to do. Uh, we can switch it up here a little bit and move into the PlayStation, uh, which... The new PlayStation console has been confirmed. One of the few things that has been confirmed. It will be named the PlayStation 5. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. They, they kept going with their numeric name. There were some rumors saying that they were going to change it. But, you know, at this point, if you're Sony, the PlayStation name has so much brand power. Sure. That, that they should keep that name through PlayStation 174. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Like, just yeah. keep it rolling. It works. It rolls off the tongue good. P.S. Right. whatever. Yeah, P.S. Let's say the acronym. <laughs> the acronym. We're gonna be ninety years old, and the, oh, the P.S. One seventy four. Like that. That still sounds good. So yeah, the, the P.S. One, P.S. Two, P.S. Three, P.S. Five. Blah blah blah. Uh, it is also going to release around that same holiday season as the Xbox Series X. There was an unconfirmed report, uh, a bit of a rumor floating around that it was actually going to release on November twentieth. An exact Ooh. date, and it was going to release alongside Gran Turismo 7. Wow. I did not hear that, but that would be a pretty big deal, especially with a new Gran Turismo at the same time. Oh, yeah, because Gran Turismo, at least in the PlayStation, the early PlayStation years, Gran Turismo was a top title. Oh, for sure. For Everybody had it. Everybody had it. You know, like it was the racing game to own. So yeah. it would be pretty cool to see PlayStation or Sony come back and say, new console and we're putting Gran Turismo back in the spotlight which is pretty cool uh there's also been a few rumors that a pro version will be available so similar to the Xbox Series X that could be tiered once again that's unconfirmed like so many of the things that we're looking at <laughs> as far as these consoles uh I will say when it comes down to unconfirmed things that there is a planned press release or or conference Expo, whatever you want to call it, Sony has planned for February. So while we're theorizing a little bit here today, I'm hoping that if this press release or expo that Sony does in February, they really debut a lot of concrete facts about what we should expect out of the PlayStation 5. Yeah, definitely excited to see that. Um, I know console release years are always fun years for to keep your eyes out on the news because the different companies, they try to you know, one up each other and get ahead of each other. And they're kind of making last minute changes based on fan reactions and things like that. So, um, you know, I'm, I imagine we'll get some information in that. And you know, probably every expo will get little pieces of the pie, but with you, hopefully we'll get some confirmations on some of these things and know what we're actually going to be getting. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. There's what's been happening with PlayStation a lot recently is there's a couple sources that have been tracking their patents and the different things that they've been patenting. And so people have been looking into that and deciphering the information and then coming up with their own rendered models of basically what the PlayStation 5 will look like. And one of the rendered models is this V-shape. with The dev kit, I think, is the V-shape. Yeah, yeah with, the, with the vents in the front and the five USB ports also on the front. But it's interesting as 
when I, when we started to do a little bit of research into this, that was the image that kept popping up. But then you come to find out, okay, well, that's not exactly what the PlayStation 5 is going to look like. There's no guarantee no. that that's what it, the view of it. Right. Yeah, I think that, that picture from what I saw was what they were sending out to the developers to start working with and give feedback on. And those always tend to look a little different. Sure. But going back to that one-up situation, you know, I think Microsoft really surprised everybody when they released the design and what it, you know, the Series X is actually going to look like because we hadn't seen anything from either company until that point so yeah maybe that'll be a big thing we actually get in february is sony kind of catching back up here's what it'll look like and then yeah. maybe they'll give us like the launch date or something to one up microsoft <laughs> yeah yeah i mean they got to go back and forth i got to back back and forth uh it's a quick run through of the specs and then we'll talk a little bit about some of the accessories and potential backwards compatibility very similar to the xbox series x we're gonna see a uh, customized amd chipset uh, working on basically the same architecture and Navi GPU. Ray tracing support will be there as well. And the SSD storage system, the solid state drive, that will be there. Uh, AK 8K TV support, that has been uh, not 100% confirmed, but theorized. It will also include a 4K Blu-ray disk drive, 3D audio. So basically matching more or less what we're going to see out of the Xbox Series X. So we won't do too deep of a dive into that as we covered covered that in the Xbox Series X. Interesting note from that leak earlier in the week. So you said that the Xbox Series X uh, clocked in at 12.2? I forget what the exact uh, teraflops it was, but they were talking about it being right around 12. Right around 12. So the PlayStation 5 produced 9.2 teraflops. Oh, wow. So, I don't think I caught that. That's a pretty decent difference. Right, and that's actually when you said 12, and i looking here and I've got 9, I'm like, wow, okay, if Xbox is doubling what they're doing with the Xbox One, uh, and then the PlayStation 5, which should be, for all intents and purposes, on par with the Xbox Series X, out the gate we're already seeing that the Xbox Series X is going to be more powerful. Right. And, and it, that's really where one of my biggest questions comes down in general, right? Because they always go back and forth. And then ultimately, at the end of the day, the, the consoles tend to be really, really close. Yeah. And and it's harder now with the different additions that they've come out with, you know, the PS Pro, the Xbox One X, et cetera. Um, it kind of grays it all up even more. Yeah. But but I, I think the general consensus was that the PS4 was, at least at launch, a more powerful machine than the Xbox One was. And I've seen some, some statements here and there from Microsoft saying that their goal is to create the most powerful you know, console this go-around. Uh, so we'll have to see how it shakes out. But you know, when you're designing computers, essentially, you, know, you do have to make trade-offs. They do take different approaches as far as... you know. Uh, capacity power management heat management those kinds of things design does come into that oh 100 you know so so we'll have to see where that shakes out but um and i'm definitely not a technical expert so the difference between nine teraflops 12 teraflops you know <laughs> we we'd have to probably dig into that more to see exactly what, how that would shake out as far as performance you know yeah and what that on means paper. on the on the end user side what really does that mean for you right but when we're talking about some of these things, you know, every tick up tends to be a pretty decent enhancement. So, sure. you know, is a difference of three teraflops between the two going to translate to what we see 
on screen and how our experiences are with each console. And maybe it doesn't, but one difference that will make is that if Xbox can come out and say that they are the most powerful console on the market, whatever that actually means doesn't matter. That tagline will push more units because you'll get, you know, you'll get your, your folks that just basically go off, you know, which, which console is better for me. And they look at some baseline information and if you can slap that tag on your console, that's going to draw a number of people just on yep. that alone. Being like, okay, well, I want, I don't want something that's not as powerful. So yeah. it'll, it'll draw your casual gamer or maybe somebody that has taken a break on for two two generations or so and is just now getting back into gaming. So then they're like, oh, well, where do I start? Well, I start with the most powerful unit out there. Right, and you definitely are always going to have your your hardcore fanboys or fangirls, you know, that are are pretty much loyal to, you know, one or the other. But you you you're spot on with that. You know, there will be people that are going to be making those decisions. People that maybe don't care so much about whether they're on a Sony or a Microsoft device. They just want good gaming. Yeah. Um. You know, and I think I I know we probably won't jump onto it till just a you know, few minutes later, but. I think one of the the big things that come into that really will be more so, uh, you know, with with the advent of cross-platform play and some of these things where we're seeing the the need for two different systems, you know, kind of shrink a little bit, right? There's always going to be a place for them, but making those decisions between the two is going to be a little different in the future with the fact that we're, you know, more and more games are allowing you to play with your friends on a different console or on a PC, regardless of what you are playing on. So we can probably circle back to that in a little bit. But as you said that, it made me think like for those people, you know, if they know that they can play any game on any platform with any of their friends, you know, would you make that choice and say, I'm just going to go with the most powerful machine there is? Yeah, it seems just like a blanket statement. Of course, that's what they they would probably end up doing. To, to wrap up a few things here with the PlayStation, though, uh, we talked about the backwards compa- compatibility as far as accessories go on the Xbox Series X. It actually is unconfirmed if old accessories are going to work on the new PlayStation 5. The only one that they envision will work is the VR headset. Uh, and if play- you have it. If you have it, PlayStation has not debuted or talked about revamping their VR headset but they are going to uh, – some leaks came out earlier this week of the new controller, which we imagine will probably be called the DualShock 5 based on every other PlayStation controller. Um, they have moved some some big news out of that DualShock 5, if that's what it's called, is that it's going to replace the rumble technology with haptatic, haptatic feedback. So it gives you a more realistic response in the controller in itself, uh, like trigger resistance and – Different things as far as motion goes. If you're moving yep. your character through sand, it'll feel more like sand. If they're on ice, it'll be a little more slick. Uh, a big When the design came out, two big changes to that controller. They've added trigger buttons on the underside, which, yep. is, a, which is actually very much in line with the, adapt, uh, the adaptable piece that you'll now be able to buy in early 2020 for the DualShock 4. Uh, and then also the home button is gone. So, yeah, I I, I kind of like some of that. I like that the controller is going to be a little closer to a pro controller. I think that those under buttons, you know, once you start to use them, you realize how beneficial they are. 
especially in games like first-person shooters. So kind of tightening that up makes sense. Xbox released a Pro Controller or the Elite Controller that really gives you all of those opportunities, and I don't think Sony had done it yet. So, you know, it, it makes sense that they're going to catch up with that. Um, the the accessories thing, I think, is is really a big question, you know, and it's not a must-have, right? I don't think it's going to make or break success of either console, but just looking from a, a consumer standpoint, you know, if I'm looking on launch day at which console I want to buy, and if Sony decides that, no, all of your accessories on the PS4 aren't going to translate, then that's probably going to delay me in making that upgrade versus going to the Xbox Series X where I can just buy the you know the console itself and be oh, ready to go. 100%. I'm in the room that I'm sitting in right now, I'm looking at a pile of PlayStation 3 controllers that have been <laughs> useless for the better part of five years. Uh, and it also, when it comes to price points, that's going to make a big difference because looking at the price point on the PlayStation 5, it should be around $500 if we're playing the guessing game. The PlayStation 2 was 300 at launch. The PlayStation 3 was 500 at launch. PlayStation 4 dipped a little bit and was 400 at launch. So imagine with the increase in specs and hardware there, it might go back up to 500 But if you're looking at game day purchase, you need to buy a second controller and a game and maybe other a few under, other accessories. It could be close to a seven $800 purchase oh, yeah. if you want to tack a game or two on and – that's you gotta a, throw tax in there because Uncle throw Sam wants his there. piece. Yeah, like that's a that's a big deal right there. That's a big deal. Uh, and then the other, the biggest piece surrounding the PlayStation Five, we can't not mention it, is that they keep teasing us with, will or will it not be backwards compatible? And what does backwards compatibility mean as far as true backwards compatibility? Because if you're just gonna give us PlayStation Four games working on the PlayStation Five. That's great. I'd love to be able to hold on to my PlayStation 4 games, but very similar to that stack of PlayStation 3 controllers, I have a stack of PlayStation 3 games that I would very much like to play on my PlayStation 5. Yeah, it's true. And and for me, one of my biggest sticking points with Sony is is when it comes to some of these kinds of things because I feel like there are certain aspects of all, you know, of industries that shift, right? And they just the whole industry if you're going to participate you have to get in just you have to get on board with it and you know backwards compatibility has been a huge issue uh, and point of contention in the gaming industry for years yeah you know because up until really up until the last couple of you know yeah we hadn't had a guarantee of any sort of backwards compatibility you had to keep that console around that started to change some with the PS3 and the Xbox 360 and then to the PS4 and Xbox One. But but a lot of it really came more through you having to repurchase games because they were ported over, remastered, remade. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of factors there. But I just think that when it comes to backwards compatibility and the current accessories, right, just get on board, Sony. Do yeah, the right do thing. I know it takes a little extra coding and, and a little bit extra effort but just do the right freaking thing and let people, you know, that want to play old games still have them. Because, you know, we can add all these things to our libraries, right? On, on Xbox and PlayStation, you have this whole library of digital games, the whole nine yards, what you have licenses to based on what you bought. And, and to, if, to move forward and then, then just say, hey, you see all these? Yeah, you can't use them. I think that would be, that would be a big disservice to consumers. So it's a huge question to answer. And for me... 
you know, if we see Sony choose to go a different route than Microsoft there, I think that could be another one of those sticking points that would start to shift, you know, some people at least. Not all, but some people oh, to Microsoft. 100%, 100%. I mean, it's just, it's that fact it keeps you from going to retro gaming stores and picking up old consoles and rolling the dice with some of those old consoles. I. I think of the tail end of my PS2, it just bricked itself towards the end. So you roll the dice when you buy old consoles to yep. play old games. So, like you said, Sony, do the right thing and give us full backwards compatibility, not some half-baked, you know, we're going to give you this, but not that. Give yep. us full backwards compatibility. And, and, and it's a good segue here to actually get into talking about the cross-platform play because this is another area where Sony really kind of held out, and I thought that it was a big mistake. You know, when we saw games like Rocket League and Fortnite come out, and really especially Fortnite because Epic, uh, Epic Games has pushed so hard on this, but, you know, we saw them really push some of the companies like Microsoft into allowing that cross-platform play and Microsoft jumped on board pretty quickly. They yeah. immediately started allowing the cross-platform between Xbox and PC. And then, surprisingly, Nintendo jumped in there with yeah. them. And so, for a while, you could play uh, Fortnite against people on Nintendo Switch, PC, or Xbox. And then, ultimately, it got opened up for, for the players on PlayStation sure. 4. Um, but Sony was very uptight about it and oh they it was were not, hesitant yeah yeah they were very hesitant about doing it and and then they finally seemed to back off i think uh, press releases from a couple months back you know said that they had finally opened up and we're gonna allow that you know to happen more but um it's such a great service to have the cross-platform play i absolutely love it i think it increases the competition you know it's a, amazing to be able to play games with your friends that maybe otherwise you wouldn't have um, the one I had here was was Dauntless that came out. Yeah, you know, I, I had that I, written down too as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kyle and I, Dauntless was a free game that came out. It's kind of a free version of Monster Hunter, um, and and it came out. Kyle grabbed it on PlayStation. I had it on my Xbox because I had hard drive capacity issues on my PlayStation. <laughs> but we were able to play and and take down a bunch of monsters. We we put in a good number of hours on that. Hundred percent. Yeah, and it worked great. You know. Oh, well, absolutely, absolutely. I, th I thought it was groundbreaking, and I remember the first night we did it, knowing you were on your PlayStation, or I was on my PlayStation, you were on your Xbox, I it was groundbreaking for our group of friends, our gaming group of friends, that it was the first time that we'd ever been able to do something like that, and it yep. felt like something that we had talked about since we were kids. Uh, oh, for sure. We talked about it all the time. All the time. You were always a PlayStation guy. You've never owned an Xbox. Yep. I I've had I had a PlayStation 2 and never owned a PlayStation 3. I have a PlayStation 4 now, but I was always an Xbox guy. Sure. So it was a big wall there for a while until the more recent uh generation where I was, you know, blessed enough to be able to get both. To do both, yeah. But <clears throat> but the idea of not having to buy both is really where it comes in, right? Like the idea that I can just be an Xbox guy and you can be a PlayStation guy yeah. and you know 90% of games we can still play together is is a gaming utopia that I want to be in. <laughs> yeah. That's I I would love to see this become the norm just across the board, especially with some bigger titles. Uh you'll always have that's the thing is 
these companies will always have their single player exclusives. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like that's never going to go away. Your Horizon Zero Dawns and uh, your your Spider-Man exclusives and things like that on the, on the PlayStation Halo and side. Gears. Halo and Gears on the Xbox side. You're always going to have your single player exclusives, but why not give the gaming community that multiplayer cross-platform uh, capabilities? It would just be universally awesome. And I think it might see an uptick in gaming across the board. Well, that's what I think, too, is I think if I'm a game developer, it, you know, I, I think that I would want that, just simply the fact that I could sell my game probably to more people, yeah. you know, because of the fact that, because there have definitely been games that, you know, you've gotten on PlayStation and were like, man, this was sweet, but I chose not to buy it because I only had an Xbox at the time or vice versa. It's and been so now the main reason I've never been able to play Halo. Right, it's right. kind of sad because I've been so blindly faithful to Sony. <laughs> I've never gotten to experience Halo. Yeah, so I mean, I really am hoping that that is one thing that we see just getting ingrained into console gaming and that industry as we go into the next generation. Um, I think the last thing we had here to touch on, you know, was also with the the rise of game services. Yeah. The on-demand game services. So you've got uh, the Xbox Game Pass on Microsoft and then now uh, PS Now for PlayStation. Um, and it's something I think that's really getting more and more traction. But uh, I don't know how much you've really used them. But I, I signed up for Game Pass right away. I think a couple years ago now it was. Didn't use it too much at first. But then as time went by, it got better and better, more games. And now I probably download at least one to two games every couple of months from there just to fill in some gaps or check out things that I was not going to pay 60 bucks for. <laughs> yeah. I I have flirted with PlayStation Now. The price point for PlayStation Now was really too high for a long time. It was what $20 for originally? It was $20 a month. Yeah, a month. Which, yeah, which is, Microsoft's always been 10. Yeah, for and Game Pass. It very recently dropped to 10, which has made it a little more accessible and since it's dropped to 10, I've thought about it more and more pretty much every month that goes by. I consider considering adding it to my monthly uh, purchases and monthly subscriptions. But I did do my seven-day trial, and then I have bought one month. I think there was a couple months back where uh, I, I kind of went into a weekend where I knew I was going to have a lot of gaming time, but I didn't have a specific game I was you know driving to play. <laughs> And then I got the itch to play an old Dynasty Warriors game. <laughs> and the full suite of Dynasty Warriors is available on PlayStation now. So I bought it. Uh, I paid the $20. I figured, you know, $20 is worth three days of just solid, like, bouncing around, playing different games. And I played the different, a couple different Street Fighters, a few different indie titles. And it, I had fun. I actually had the most fun playing the Sid Meier Civilization game. <laughs> uh, but I like city builder games, so there's that. And, and I had a good time, but at the end of it, I was like, this isn't, it's not good enough to justify $20 a month. Right. And that's really where, when, when you look at the two and you compare them, Xbox's price point being $10 a month, uh, it just, it was always winning over what Sony was doing at the $20 a month. The other big difference, I thought, uh, if you're going to look at it like hard facts, Xbox was putting and has been putting legitimate AAA titles on that their is service. a big difference. Yeah, well, anything Microsoft committed a while ago that anything that was from their studios was a first party title that they were going to put it on Game Pass day one. So like Gears Five, 
I would have never bought Gears 5. I'm not a huge Gears fan. Um, I played the originals and then kind of got away from them. But I downloaded it because it was available. Forza Horizon 4 was the same. Uh, Outer Worlds, you know, like any of those. Halo, the new Halos will be on there. Yeah. And so they've really been pumping it. And there's and it's not just there. I mean, there's been some other titles that they've put out. Like the Outer Worlds was there day one. Um, you know, so that's it's really been nice to be able to grab some of those. Because you think, 10 bucks a month, 120 a year. That's two AAA games, you know, bought. So yeah. as long as you download at least two of those games a year and play them for a little bit, you've gotten your money's worth. And you typically get a lot more out of it. So yeah. I definitely am hoping that we see that, you know, just continue to expand as we move forward. Digital media continues to expand. Um, but, you know, clearly we still have a lot to learn about the next generation of the consoles that are coming our way. Um, but as weird as it sounds, you know, the holidays are going to be on us faster than the Flash can run from Central City to Star City. So, <laughs> you know, it, it'll be here. I know we just finished up with, with Christmas and all of that, but, you know, we're going to blink and it's going to be here. Um, and we'll all be looking at these new consoles. The one thing that I do know for sure, the one thing I'll leave you with for this one is that E3 and the various gaming expos are going to be quite exciting this year. They always are during console launch years. So keeping with the spirit of previewing what is coming in 2020, we're going to move over and take a look at the top video games that are releasing on the current gen, meaning PS4 and Xbox One, that Kyle and I are either excited about or at least interested in. So let's jump in here, Kyle, and start out with one I know a lot of people are excited about, that Final Fantasy VII remake. Ooh, 20 years in the making. Yes, indeed, the Final Fantasy VII remake is headed our way on March 3rd. It will be, you know, action RPG. It's been developed and published by Square Enix, who did the original back in 97. It is a complete remake of that 1997 PlayStation 1 game. Follows mercenary Cloud Strife as he joins up with the eco-terrorist group Avalanche to battle the Shinra Corporation, who are draining the life's, the planet's life energy. Damn so there's a Shinra. lot of... Damn Shinra. Uh, the game does go much deeper. It's not just all about eco-terrorism, but it goes much deeper into Cloud's past and his his odd connection to the legendary soldier Sephiroth. Uh, I won't go too much far into the story, even though it is a 20-year-old game. I'll leave you to play through it to get the full uh, experience because that story is pretty amazing. One of the best in gaming history. Absolutely, absolutely. The gameplay, though... Taking a switch off the traditional JRPG turn base is going to be more similar to what we saw in Final Fantasy XV and Dissidia Final Fantasy, where the exploration and battle both take place in real time. Uh, but for those of you that love that turn-based style, it has been confirmed that there will be an optional 
turn-based, more classic JRPG for you to switch to if you don't want that action-oriented. Because um, Final Fantasy XV gets a little chaotic so <laughs> I, at times. So I imagine Final Fantasy VII will as well. So if people want to slow down and go turn-based, that option is there for them. I know that's been a little bit of a of an interesting point when we've talked about this with some of our other buddies. You know, some people were pretty hardline. Like, I, I prefer the turn base. Other people, like myself, have really been into the live action. Like, I loved what they did in Final Fantasy 15. And I actually really liked what they did in Kingdom Hearts 3. And I know Kingdom Hearts always had more live action. But, you know, I kind of think that that Kingdom Hearts 3 is probably the closest to what we're going to see in Final Fantasy 7 because you just had so much going on. You had the team of people, you know, attacking. Mm-hmm. You could call in summons. You could call in all this magic. So, like, on the screen sometimes, it looked like a, a freaking, you know, electronic dance festival just on your screen <laughs> with all the lasers and stuff. Um, <laughs> right. But we'll definitely have to see how that shakes out for, for Final Fantasy VII because it's taking something that many of us have played multiple times, and then they're yeah. going to they're gonna change it on us. They are going to switch it up, uh, and as Chris mentioned, with the magic and summons, par the course with most Final Fantasy series, uh, you'll be able to use physical attacks, magic, various items, summons, and special attacks, and limit breaks, all in combat as well. Uh, The big thing that is kind of like, eh, made me iffy on the game, is they did announce that the game is going to be released in episodic installments. It's a big question mark. It does. It, it's it's a game that was three discs on the PlayStation 1, uh, and it was probably around 36 hours of gameplay. Something I know that like the, fir- that. the first disc alone was 24 hours. I remember that sticking in my memory. Uh, and then the third disc was basically just the final boss. But they did announce that it's going to be released in episodic installments, but they said that they did this to allow players more time to explore key areas. And mainly, it's this first installment, which is going to be centered around the first half of the game where you're in Midgard. Yep. And when you're in Midgar, uh, you don't get to do too much exploring of the city itself in the, in the 1997 original. So they said that they want this first episode to be all based around Midgar and allow players to truly explore the city. Yeah, I think that would be cool. I, I'm so unsettled by the episode approach. Like, first and foremost, I trust Square. Square's been making some of the best games, you know, almost across the board for 20, 30, 40 years. I don't know how long it's been. They've been making Maybe. games going back to the original NES. Um, but at the same time, it, it just feels weird that we're going to have to pay multiple times, I would say probably as much as $60 each time, depending yeah. on how big these games come out and when they come out. Um, but the fact that we're going to have to do that two, three, four times to get one entire game that we've already been playing for 25 years feels weird. And so we'll have to see how that shakes out. I, I really hope it's not a money grab and that they really do deliver on Because what they're promoting is that each one's going to be like their own game. We're going to yeah. get tons of new stuff. And, and if that is the case, then then we'll all be fine at the end of the day. But – when they first announced it, I, I just, mm, I was, it felt yeah, weird. It, felt it, weird. Does, it does feel weird, especially because if you're a gamer that likes to just blast through a game, you're going to get to the end and you're going to want more. And right. we don't know how long we're going to have to wait. That's oh, a good point, too. How long between episodes is it going to be? I, I'm hoping that it's not too long because in a recent leak 
uh, somebody saw some box cover art where it's actually going to be a timed PlayStation exclusive. Oh. So it will eventually come to Xbox and PC, but the Xbox PC release date is March 3rd, 2021. So they'll do the year. Okay. So you get so a Maybe year. they drop the second one or something like a year later, but like episode one will move to Xbox in a year, but then maybe they drop episode two for PlayStation uh, around that same time. Possibly, something possibly. like that. I'd prefer to see something more like six months. Yeah, me too. <laughs> right, because we're all gonna something... want it so much. Yeah, we originally saw footage for this back in 2015. It's been a while since they it's announced it. It's been so long since they said that they were gonna do this. Since we saw that original footage, yeah. so it's like we've been waiting so long, and you're gonna make us do it in installments, which drive me nuts. Yep. But hey, the the initial release is right around the corner. I think it's definitely the the most ex- initial, probably the most exciting game overall for this year. Um, but the fact that we get it so early is going to be a plus as well. It's right, yeah. in, right in time for your birthday, bro. It is. It is. It's actually on uh, our buddy Mike Fee. It's on his birthday. Oh, there you go. Even better. Um, so we're going to keep running through here. We've got a couple others uh, to highlight here. No- next one up, I think, comes out in April. It's going to be April 16th. It is Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, I know a lot of people are pretty pumped about this. It's developed by the same company that did the Witcher series, so there's been a lot of hype around the Witcher. And kind of a side note, I saw that the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt game, which has been out for years, has actually jumped up. It was one of the top downloaded games on Steam recently. It's been promoted all over uh, Xbox and PlayStation lately, so I've been just happy to see them get kind of a bump after the show came out. But anyway, so... CD Projekt Red, I have to also throw a plug in. I personally, they're one of my favorite game companies, game developers. I remember when I bought The Witcher uh, 3 originally, it came with a personalized thank you like note card that was in the uh, the disc, you know, the box when you'd still yeah, buy those. That's super cool. <laughs> and 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 then literally, and that it was literally just thanking you for buying the game. Like they've always come across as just one of the purest companies i guess if that's kind of a weird word to use but just somebody that actually looks out for the fans they never charge for dlc for the witcher games they believe that they put out a quality product from the get-go and then anything else that comes out you've already essentially paid for by buying the game so that's my plug for cd project red everybody should support them um but back to cyberpunk it'll be their first game um outside of the witcher series in years it's going to be releasing on PS4, Xbox One, and Google Stadia. I did find out, I didn't know this until I was doing a little bit more research uh, for our chapter here, that the the inspiration for the Cyberpunk 27, 2077 game is um, from a existing uh, RPG tabletop game called yeah. Cyberpunk. And it, it was originally published by Talsorian Games in 1988. So it's something that's been around... And, and while I was like, whoa, that's, you know, crazy, um, it also made sense to me once I learned it because of the fact that CD Projekt Red clearly likes to adapt their games from other IPs. The Witchers were yeah, the w- short stories series. and novels. It was books. Yeah. And then they took it. So um, they're kind of doing the same thing here, just using a different version of an IP. Um, but all in all, the cyber, Cyberpunk is going to be a futuristic first-person combat uh, driven game where the player assumes the role of essentially a mercenary cyborg that's going to be fairly customizable. I would say probably mostly customizable. These games that CD Projekt Red makes are always really big and deep and 
and very involved. So I expect a lot of customization there. It's uh, expected to be very open world with multiple areas to explore. And then, um, of course, you know, at, at E3 last year, we got the big reveal where Keanu Reeves, Ooh, Keanu Reeves, Keanu came out on stage and actually um, debuted the fact that he is in this game. He's one of yeah. the, I think he's going to be one of the main NPCs. Um, and I could almost stop there because, you know, Keanu Reeves in a video game, it's going right. to be amazing. Um, but all in all, I'm expecting a massive game here, just like they did with the Witcher games. Graphics and the motion capture in the trailers that we've seen so far look out of this world. Top, top notch graphics. Yeah. Um, and so I, I personally am super excited to grab this, especially on the 4K TV. I just think it's going to have some of the best visuals that we've seen on these current gens. Yeah, I've heard that the game is, is going to be super immersive. And of course, the first person aspect for me doesn't quite do it. I'm I'm not too big on first person games, but that's a personal taste. But I, I have heard the game's gonna be crazy immersive in this first person view and that their CD Project Red is shooting for a game that has zero load screens. That so would it makes be it amazing. totally immersive. Yeah, that would be amazing. And you see some of that accomplished, but it there's very few that have accomplished a no load screen experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially on something so big. But you know, if there's a, a company that can do it or that I would believe it, I mean, it would be these guys based on their past. Yeah, 100%. Record. And you got to support them because from what we've read on this game, that it's taken the better part of eight years. To oh, make. yeah. It's been in development for so long. And in a gaming landscape that's dominated by yearly releases, you know, uh, and if, if it's your cup of tea, there's nothing wrong with your Assassin's Creeds and your Call of Duties and your... Your games that come out every year because I have a few that I pick up as well. We all uh, do. But it's it's really refreshing to see a, a studio commit to doing something long term and then do it right. Well, and that and exactly, and that's really where it comes down to is everything I've ever seen from them is that it all comes down to they will not release a game until it's ready to go. They're not going to pull some bullshit like Anthem where they're just going to send it out even they know it's broke. Like they are going to take the time. And if they had to, I mean, it's coming out in, in April. I'm pretty confident that that'll happen. But, you know, if they felt like they needed to move it to the next consoles just to be able to, to hit on the promises they've made, I wouldn't put it past them to do it. So, yeah, hopefully it doesn't. I'm ready to play this game, but yeah. uh, but I'll trust in them any day of the week because they're they're committed to providing quality experiences. Well, moving on to another game that we'll see here in 2020 is a game that actually did push back their release date, and it was The Last of Us 2. It's scheduled to come out on May 29th. Originally, it had a February release date, but it can't, they pushed it back uh, for extra development, and as far I'm sure Chris will agree with me, if you need an extra four months to develop a game, take those Do four <laughs> months. Do it. Because give us that experience, but... Naughty Dog, it's developed by Naughty Dog, published by Sony Interactive. It is an action-adventure game sequel to the original Last of Us, which came out in 2013 on the PlayStation 3. This story is set five years after the events of that uh, first game. It's in a post-apocalyptic world where there's like a mutated fungus that has infected the population, turned them into zombie-like creatures. Uh, they're not exactly zombies, but they're... For all intents and purposes, they're zombies. It's in that you, realm. It's in that realm. You play as Ellie from the first game. So she was 
uh, around 13, 14 in the first game. So five years later, she's 19 now, and she's been grizzled and seen the world, uh, and she's got a lot of hate built up, and she's tired of seeing her loved ones around her killed and murdered uh, and dying for various reasons because it is post-apocalyptic. So on top of they created, sorry, go ahead. No, quite a world. No, they created like a true crazy environment. Yeah, and it was very believable. And when you play through the first one, you know, it was so engrossing and so dramatic that I remember literally uh, my wife, we were just dating at the time, and it was the only video game where I've ever had anybody demand that I only play it when they were around because (laughs) she wanted to see what was happening to Joel and Ellie and, you know, the NPCs. And it was just, it was like watching a movie as you played through it. Yeah, 100%. And that's Naughty Dog's kind of claim with their their Uncharted series. They're all very flowing as far as the cinematics to the gameplay, the yep. graphic level. It all is very seamless. So and you in the game, you use a variety of type of weapons, including guns. There's a bow. Uh, one thing that they have upped in this new one as far as the gameplay mechanics, that the crafting weapons, we should see an overhaul in how you craft weapons. So in the original... You would come across maybe a lead pipe or a baseball bat, and then you'd come across uh, a box of nails. You'd be able to, to tape them together and you know increase the impact of that weapon, of that baseball bat you were holding. Uh, so all of that going on with the zombie apocalypse. Uh, so their combat mechanics got overhauled. There's a huge stealth element to that game where you can kind of pick and choose as you go through certain areas whether or not you just want to go whole hog and, you know, whack off some zombies or if you kind of want to use a stealth system and sneak through so you'll see a lot of stealth and agility and movements Uh, and one thing that the game director neil Druckmann, has said that along with all the overhaul of the engine and the combat mechanics that you really wanted to get across ellie's desperation and resourcefulness and unique agility when taking on these these zombies and the new um antagonist which I imagine it's going to be like a gang of some sorts. From what we've seen in the trailers, she's going to lose a loved one and then go out on a, a story of revenge on gotcha. these on this group of guys. Yeah, she's a badass. I, I know it's got huge shoes to fill after how insanely successful the first one was. Um, it was one of the top-rated games at the time. It was Game of the Year, I believe, when, yeah. when it released in the whole nine yards. It's got all the accolades. Um, but because of that, to be honest, I'm I'm really interested just to see if they can live up to that. Naughty Dog has a good track record, but when you create out the gate, you know, uh, a piece of work, you know, a book, a, a, an album, whatever it is, that is just so good, so captivating, you know, the the characters of Joel and Ellie were just you just had to know more about them. Yeah. You had to know what happened to them. And, you know, I'm excited to see the continuation, but I really want to know, you know, A, if they can live up to that standard truly, and then B, if they will be able to um, introduce us to new characters that will captivate us just as much. I hope so. I hope so. They did in the second trailer that came out, they showed Joel because in the first few trailers, Joel wasn't there. And a lot of people were saying, okay, well, where's Joel? Where's Joel? If this is only five years after, like what has happened if you've played the first one, it does end on a bit of a cliffhanger yep. where it's it's very open-ended. And that's where it, you said it's got big shoes to fill because the first one was so good at storytelling and background and making you really feel for these characters. 
and then the way it ends, and I won't spoil the way the first one ends, it could have just lived in isolation. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it, it could have stayed by itself and never. Yeah. Joel makes a decision at the end of that game. Once again, I won't spoil what the, that decision was, but it creates this, okay, well, if this game just lived in a bubble, it could very easily live in a bubble. They've chosen to move forward with a sequel, which we're a little iffy about, but trust in Naughty Dog because they haven't gone wrong so far. Uh, as far as the Uncharted series is great. Crash Bandicoot's great. So, oh, yeah. Uh, hope oh, yeah. that we'll, the be, we'll be pre-ordering all these games at least of the first three we talked about here yeah um but you know we'll move in here to the last one we had on our list as far as the primaries uh to highlight not so sure if i'll be pre-ordering this one i think there's still some question marks out but uh we do have an avengers focused uh game coming out on may 15th it's being developed by crystal dynamics in eidos montreal Published by Square Enix, so it's got some some big names here. There's a lot yeah. of weight as far as game developers go here because Crystal Dynamics uh, is who makes the Tomb Raider games. Right. And so this is actually going to be their first non-Tomb Raider game since 2005. Okay. So so there's a lot <laughs> on the line, you know, but the yeah. Tomb Raider games for the most part throughout the years were always solid. I know that the most recent Tomb Raider games have been really good. Um, and so, you know... I go back and forth on this Avengers game, but I when I learned, I didn't realize until I was doing some additional research here that it was Crystal Dynamics, and that kind of gave me an uptick as far yeah. as, as hope for it. Um, it is set to release as well on PS4, Xbox One, and Google Stadia. It's looking like it's going to be third-person combat action, and you're going to be playing as your favorite, you know, the big four Avengers, Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, and Hulk. Um, I think that they've shown at least maybe as unlockables or NPCs that we're going to see some others like Hawkeye and Black Widow, pretty much the cast from the movie, right? Yeah. The main, main cast that we've been seeing. I think the one protagonist that we're going to get that is a little off the wall is Camila Khan. Yeah. Is Miss, Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel. She got her, she got her own unique trailer. So, yep. uh, that could be pretty cool. Yeah. So we'll have to see how that goes. It looks like they're, they're promoting four person online co-op play. So, you know, it will be possible to, to actually roll through with your buddies as the full Avengers squad. Um, I know some of the trailers, it looked like they actually were jumping, you know, in one level, they were jumping from, you know, Thor to Iron Man to Captain and kind of playing as each uh, inside one mission. So, you know, some, some really cool things there. I think it'll come down to really how open world this game is and then how long it is um, as far as really how successful it is. But it seemed like kind of the biggest question mark or reaction that it got when they dropped the trailers from the community was, you know, visually the game looks pretty good overall graphically, but people were not too happy about the, uh, I, uh, air quotes, uh, I'll use the word unique <laughs> design <laughs> on the Avengers was, um, you know, they don't look like Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. And, they, it's kind of more like a comic situation where right. every story they kind of look a little unique or their own version. So um, I don't know if you had any thoughts there, but it seemed like that was really where people were getting stuck on this. <laughs> I, I'm really excited for this game, like through the roof excited, because I think it's the first time anyone's tried to tackle a Marvel Avengers game like this. That's true. Uh, other than, you know, you get your Lego games and those have been fun. And the Marvel Ultimate Alliance games, that series is fun, but that's more of a top-down feel. Right. So I'm really excited um, 
this will be a pre-order for me, but I'm a comic geek and I'm an Avengers geek and I, I love everything that they put out. But I, I do agree that there's been a lot of a lot of hate or a lot of question marks around the style choices of the cast. But coming from the comic book world where like I don't Chris Evans doesn't ha- isn't my like one and only Captain America. Sure. Yeah. Like I'm a little more accepting to that, but I could see how the casual fan or someone else where we've had Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man for 10 years. Right. And I think that's where it comes down to. So people, people feel like those are the characters now, despite, you know, 50 years of comic history. Yeah. Like that is the look that they should have gone for. So they made some bold choices in going with different directions, but I'll, I'll say this as far as that cast, I do believe in what this voice acting cast can do because there are some big names here as far as like Nolan North, who is the voice of Nathan Drake. Yep. He is playing Iron Man. Now, I think that's kind of odd because like (laughs) we're so ingrained to hear Robert Downey Jr.'s voice in our head. So when you hear Nolan North, uh, he also did the voice of Connor Kent in Young Justice. And he's, you know, Nolan North is a huge voice actor. Right, right. Um, So there's plenty of things I'm not listing here. So, but... Uh, it's weird to see him as Iron Man, but it's also he's a proven voice actor, so I believe in him. And then we also have Troy Baker, who's doing the voice of Bruce Banner. Uh, Troy Baker does the voice of Joel from The Last of Us. Okay, I didn't know that one. So that's pretty sweet. And then we're also looking at Travis Will- uh, Travis Willingham. He's doing the voice of Thor. And he has done Thor on several occasions, including the Avengers Assembled animated series. Okay. And he also played the he did the voice of Jaro in Jedi Fallen Order, uh, the the master from yep. Jedi Fallen Order. And so there's there's some big name actors here. Laura Bailey is doing the voice of Black Widow, similar to uh, the voice of Thor. Laura Bailey has voiced Natasha Romanoff several of times, including Avengers Assemble, Marvel Ultimate Alliance three. And then she was also Mary Jane in the Spider Man game. Okay. So yeah, I knew about Nolan. Yeah, I knew about Nolan North, but not about the others. And and that is that is a good uh, aspect as far as giving confidence. You know, even though they may not look exactly as expected, all of those actors, those voice actors you just named, have a, a strong pedigree. Obviously, uh, experience with the source materials. So I would, that makes me a little bit more excited that everything will come off a little bit more true to form, even though the visual aspect of them may be a little odd. Yeah, I think the the one big question mark as far as the cast, and it's Jeff Sheen or Jeff Shine. I apologize if I'm saying his name incorrectly. He's Captain America, and he of the group, he's probably has the least filmography okay. or, or voice acting cred. Uh, he's done a few things. He did Love, Death, and Robots, which is an animated series on Netflix. He did a couple voices there. He was in the Walking Dead game. But it's interesting that you're going to put somebody – with the least amount of voice acting experience in such an iconic role as Captain America. That's true. It can so make or break the whole thing. I I really hope he comes through. I have confidence in this game, but once again, I'm very biased when it comes to Avengers and comic book things. I kind of love I love it all, you know, as a as a Harry Potter fan, I'll say that like you look at the books and the movies, a lot of people are like, "Ah, oh, well, it's not true to the books. It's not true, you know, this and that." You just got to look at it's a different take on the same source material and right. love it all and love it all the same. So I'm really hoping that the Avengers comes through in that fashion where, no, it's not going to be Chris Evans and 
Robert Downey Jr. and those faces that we're familiar with, Scarlett Johansson. But the source material is solid, and the cast is solid, and you got to believe in Square. And the good developers, yep. Yeah, so we'll see. I, I definitely think out of the four we just highlighted that it's probably like my number four. Um, but if we get a little bit closer to May, they keep releasing, you know, good trailers, good information, and maybe those initial reviews are strong, then I, I definitely could see picking it up, um, even if I don't end up getting that pre-order in before it launches. Um, so with that, we also wanted to touch on just real quick before we move on uh, a couple other notable games that are coming out this year. Obviously, the the four we just mentioned are kind of our our big four, the ones we absolutely are looking looking towards, but um, there are some others here. So we've got Doom Eternal on March 20th. Which is another first-person shooter, which doesn't tick my box, but Bethesda needs a bounce back. They do. They need a bounce back. The first Doom was pretty good. It got some unique aspects to it. This one looks crazy, to be honest, um, but I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to pick it up right away or, or wait for like a sale or something down the road. Uh, the next one up we had here, though, I know is one that you are really looking forward to, but we don't have an exact date on it yet. We just know it's coming summer 2020, um, and that's Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, there's so many rumors and unconfirmed reports about this game. It, it feels like they've just been uh, pulling it out from under us for so long, pushing it back and pushing it back. I've seen some crazy things that it could be anywhere from a samurai Red Dead uh, but that's not exactly what I expect. I expect something more on par with other PlayStation exclusives with the over-the-shoulder and yeah. maybe some platforming graphics and a good story. Uh, one interesting note about that game that I've heard is I heard that there wasn't going to be a mini-map. Oh, interesting. So we have to see how that plays out, especially with what we've seen so far uh, and how that would work out. But I'm really excited. I just need it to get here. I just need it. it the concept looks is amazing. Anything Samurai is is i mean you know i'm I'm open to looking at um especially because we don't see it a ton uh but really the the bigger question is whether or not it's going to be a sony exclusive that is top tier and amazing like a last of us or or spider-man or is it going to be one of the flops you know like uh order 1886 and some of those where <laughs> you know they looked amazing visually you know, you thought that they were going to be on point, but then you get in them and they're like a 10 hour short little, you know, movie yeah. clip. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but wham, bam, and it's done. Yeah, they've just it's like one or the other with Sony exclusives lately. They're either these just top tier, amazing can't miss games or they are short, odd duds, you know, yeah. with, with horrible reviews. So we'll have to see. But um, hopefully that'll actually release. I just need a date. <laughs> just give me a date <laughs> so next up we had dragon ball z uh is it kakarot kakarot yeah kakarot all right i got it well i got it right and i'm not even a dragon ball z guy so there it is yeah dragon uh, ball z kakarot uh set to release on january 17th it should be an open world rpg set in the dragon ball z universe could be pretty cool that's the first time we've ever seen anything from that ip in an open world uh little suspicious uh, on this one, though, because the developer is CyberConnect2, and they are very limited on what type of games they've made. They're pretty much only known for the Dot .hack series. Which yeah. I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Dot .hack Not series. Really. It's really. an MMORPG. So it, it feels like a big jump to go from 
a series that's an MMORPG to an open world and if like you're putting player the, game. if you're putting the Dragon Ball Z title on it like that's a serious fan base that's going to have high expectations so we'll see what happens that's fair yeah and January 17th is right around the corner so we'll get some eyes on that one here in about a week or so no two weeks um so next up here is one that I know I'm a little bit excited for Neo 2 uh, coming out March 13th. I know that Neo, the very first one, which was a, a samurai game that was very Dark Souls-like. And personally, I thought it was maybe the best uh, Souls-like game that was not made by From Software that I've played. Um, right. I know there's been a few, The Remnant, uh, The Surge, you know, a bunch of different ones that have come out. And they've all been, you know, kind of a notch below. And I felt like Neo was, was right there. It was really close, super awesome samurai combat and a very dark story um it it might be a little tough for me to pick this one up at launch given the proximity to some of these other games that are coming out you know with with final fantasy at the beginning of like the week before and then cyberpunk right after but uh, i definitely will be looking to to grab that one at some point this year i saw that it was a prequel which is pretty cool oh i didn't realize that they're gonna do more of a prequel story yeah, it was a prequel okay. story. Wow. I don't. I, I didn't play the first one. It's in my library. Uh, it was a PS PS Plus ex, um, free download of one of the months a couple months ago. So I haven't played it, but it's in my library. I did see that it was a prequel. That's cool. I have to go look at that. I did not uh, catch that detail, but that that gives me a little bit more intrigue. So moving on from there, the last two we had here to call out was uh, the next one we got is a is a remake or I guess a remaster. Really, is more of a way to put it. Yeah. Um, after the success of the remaster of Resident Evil 2, they are going to be releasing Resident Evil 3 on April 3rd. Given the overwhelming amount of success of the Resident Evil 2 remake, uh, it I feel like it puts a lot of pressure on the Resident Evil 3 remake. That's for sure. Uh, in a good way. In a good way, because the Resident Evil 2 remake was game of the year for a lot of people. It got a uh, lot of critical acclaim. Yeah, But I, I don't know if it was one of those things when it was put in development, they were like, oh, well, we're just going to start making some remastering and remaking these old Resident Evil games. And then all of a sudden, Resident Evil 2 remake, like, blows everybody's mind. <laughs> so people are like, oh, shit. Uh, I imagine Resident it was... Resident Evil 3 has to be good. Yeah, yeah, I imagine it was in the works, given how soon it was coming out, because Resident Evil 2 was just earlier this year, and now you've got this one coming out, but... I I didn't play the Resident Evil 2 remake as many times as I looked at it. I feel like I should be playing them, given how well they've been received. Um, but I just have not yet been able to bring myself to go back to Raccoon City. Yeah, uh, it's been $20 on the PlayStation Store for about three weeks, uh, or maybe even longer. Between the Black Friday sale and then the holiday sale on the PlayStation Store, it's been $20. And I've looked at it every single time I've turned on my PlayStation. <laughs> but I would just be digging a deeper hole as far as games I need to play. So I haven't committed. Exactly. I'll wait for that real good downtime. Um, all right. And then the last one we have here to call out as far as games coming this year. This one is actually a TBD. So I guess it is possible but that we don't see it until next year. But all uh, initial announcements or feedback that we've heard has been that they are going to do this and bring it to Xbox this year. And that is for Fantasy Star Online 2. Um, this is a wildly successful MMO that has been out in, in the markets outside of the United States. Um, I'm sure that there are people here that play them if they're using different you know VPNs or whatever it may be. But it's never been on console. It's not been in the United States widely available. Um, 
I don't know as much as I want to know about this game. All I know is that when I saw the trailer in E3 when Phil Spencer made the announcement um, at the Microsoft conference that they were going to bring this here, that I was I was definitely interested. I saw dragons. I saw knights. I saw samurai. I don't know. I'm, there, there was literally like everything that you could think of that would be <laughs> awesome seemed to be in this trailer. Um, and probably because it's been out for so long, you know, in other markets that it's been able to build up like most MMOs do, right? But I've been flirting with some different MMOs like Black Desert and Final Fantasy fourteen and stuff recently. I, I really want to get into into one, but I just haven't found one that is stuck yet, right? Um, so for me, this is one that I'm kind of keeping eyes out on that as it finally does release to Xbox, you know, I'll probably be checking it out, so... 100%, 100%, but it should be an exciting year for new video game titles as we expect the developers to be pushing the old generation to its full extent and also utilizing the new hardware coming our way to bring us the latest and greatest. We've explored what's to come from video games, but now we're going to switch gears a little bit and end things with some of the biggest movies and television shows we can expect to see in 2020. I'll kick it off here with the biggest movies that we're looking at coming at us this year. Uh, the first one on my list is Black Widow from Marvel Studios. It should kick off Phase 4 of the Marvel Studios saga, and it's coming our way May 1st. Uh, Chris, are you excited for Black Widow? Or are you feeling like, eh, it's, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens? I mean, I'm pretty interested in anything Marvel puts out, first and foremost. They've just proven and earned that trust, right, that you can pretty much sit down and watch any Marvel film right now, and it's going to be, you know, quality. It's going to be entertaining. Black Widow was never a top character for me, but, you know, I do love me some Scarlett Johansson. Who doesn't? She's in black leather. Yeah. You know, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so give me some more of that. And it does look like it's got a good cast with David Harbour and some of those others. So I don't know if this will be one I catch in theaters, but I will definitely catch it at least uh, once it releases yeah. for digital rent. It feels like she's been in the Marvel Universe so long and the fans have been asking for her to have her solos a solo movie ever. Oh, she deserves, she deserves it. it. She deserves it. So well done. Hundred percent. Also on the Marvel front, we should see the Eternals in on November sixth, and the New Mutants, which is not a Marvel Studios, uh, uh, movie, but that New Mutants is coming our way April third. It's being put up by Twentieth Century Fox. That one should be pretty interesting because it's going to be like a horror movie, which is an in okay. interesting move for a Marvel. But once again, the New Mutants is not a Marvel Studios movie. So who knows? The Eternals is going to be a kind of a group movie where they explore some of the original superheroes that came to Earth a long time ago. We're also going to get Top Gun Maverick, the sequel oh, yeah. to the 1986 classic. 
Top Gun. That's coming our way June 26. Tom Cruise. Definitely excited about that one. If there's anyone on the list that I'm probably most excited about, it's it's Top Gun coming back. I love the original. I love fighter jets and all of that since I was a little kid. Iron Eagle. Uh, can't go wrong. So to get another film built kind of like that for the first time in a, in a long while, uh, scratch that itch of, you know, yeah. living out like I was a fighter jet pilot. <laughs> that never happened. Heck, you know, uh, super pumped about heck that. Heck yeah, heck yeah. Hopefully we get some Kenny Loggins on the soundtrack as well. <laughs> then we have No Time to Die on April 10th. That is the new Bond. Daniel Craig's been Bond for a long time. That's true. He has been Bond for, what, 10 plus years? 10 plus years. years. It feels like a long, way longer than Pierce Brosnan was ever Bond. I don't have hard numbers on that, so I could be wrong. But it just feels <laughs> like he's been Bond longer than anyone else has been Bond. Then we have Tenet, which is the latest Christopher Nolan film coming at us on July 17th. It's going to have John David Washington and Robert Pattinson. It's a time-traveling action thriller. I'm really excited for this. I love Christopher Nolan. Yeah, it's Christopher Nolan. Yeah. You know, almost enough said. Anything he puts out is worth at least going and experiencing. And and I think almost every time that they, they live up to the hype. Yeah, whether it's Interstellar, which I actually do enjoy Interstellar, Inception, Memento. If you haven't seen Memento, go watch Memento. It's a very early Christopher Nolan work. Uh, and it is incredible. Exactly. Also going to see Venom 2 on October 2nd. Tom Hardy coming back as his role as Eddie Brock. We're also going to see a Woody Harrelson carnage. I, I'm As much as I like the first Venom and Tom Hardy was spot on, I, I'm more excited to see what crazy Woody Harrelson's going to do as carnage yeah. and then what that might set up for you know, like a Venom 3 or, or anything else that may happen in that realm. So Could be cool. Andy Serkis is directing as well. So that's I don't know if it's his directorial debut. I'm leaning that it's probably not, but I do like Andy Serkis. We'll, yep. we'll get Birds of Prey, which is a DC movie coming on February 7th. Uh, it's going to be mostly centered around Harley Quinn. Uh, yeah. And then it's also Wonder Woman 84 coming on June 5th. Yeah, let's talk about Wonder Woman 84 <laughs> definitely is going to be the better one there. I just, I don't, I, the Birds of Prey movie looks unnecessary and kind of <laughs> silly. Um, and with DC being kind of floundering at times, like I just think it's going to be another flop for them um, and another kind of stain on their record. Like, yeah, Margot Robbie is hot and Margot Robbie did a great job as Harley Quinn, but I don't see that being enough or strong enough to be the lead of her own movie. Right. Um, especially it's just all female suicide squad kind of, you know, and I don't know. I just, uh, it didn't excite me when I saw the trailer, it, but to me, it feels like a response to black widow. Yeah. Something along those lines, which I would have rather than just kept on with wonder woman yeah. and stuck with that, you know, from a DC perspective, because wonder woman 84 does look pretty strong. There was a few kind of whack ass <laughs> moments in the trailer. Like when she lightning, she lassos the lightning bolt. I kind of laughed, but everything else looks pretty solid they're definitely interested for that one. 100% 100% that's why I gave the birds of prey the uh you just, you just don't know who knows maybe it'll blow us away maybe it'll blow us away probably not but maybe uh we're also going to see Mulan the live action remake of Mulan on March 27th any thoughts on Mulan Chris I saw the trailer recently it looks good um I'm sure it'll have some cool action but I'm I'm really like the live action Disney movies for the most part are pretty low on my list. I'll catch them if I catch them and if I don't I don't know how much I'm worried about it. Yeah. I really like the Mulan story. So I'm actually kind of excited about that one. 
<laughs> we'll also see Ghostbusters Afterlife on July 10th. It's This one appears to be a direct sequel to the original Ghostbusters. Uh, it's got Paul Rudd in it, Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things, and then McKenna Grace. Uh, she's been in a few other things. She actually played, I believe she was the little girl, Carol Danvers, from Captain Marvel. Uh, okay. So, but I don't think I recognized her. Yeah, that will. Uh, IMDb helped. So the Ghostbusters trailer when they released it, it, it looked way better than I expected. Um, just especially after what happened with the with the recent Ghostbusters remake, I, I really am hoping that this ends up being the the true revitalization of the IP. Always, always love the Ghostbusters and the characters and the story, um, the concept, right? But it. it it was just really faded after, you know, Ghostbusters 2 back uh, at the end of the 80s. So hopefully they can kind of rebirth it truly and maybe we can see future, you know, spinoffs or additional movies come for the Ghostbusters franchise. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. And we also are going to have Bill and Ted face the music coming our way on August 21st. Had to throw it in there. How do you not mention Bill and Ted coming back? Definitely pumped about that. Seeing Keanu kind of in another role we haven't seen him in for a yeah, while a especially as he's been doing all the john wick and everything so um it should be a fun film if nothing else it'll be a fun yeah, film it'll be it'll be goofy it'll be fun and support keanu reeves he deserves our support he's immortal and amazing keanu how many times can we say keanu in this episode <laughs> so some other notables here before we switch it up and go tv side we have bloodshot the that is a comic book movie featuring vin diesel the morbius Featuring Jared Leto, which is Morbius is a classic Spider-Man villain. But once again, it's not a Marvel Studios movie. Uh, Legally Blonde 3, just because Legally Blonde 3 is happening. Uh, (laughs) It's been a long time since Legally Blonde 2, but you never know. Artemis Fowl is also coming out this year. Fast and Furious 9 might as well be Fast and Furious 87. (laughs) And then Godzilla vs. Kong. Real brief on Godzilla vs. Kong. I'm actually really excited for this because they've pieced together the different King Kong and Godzilla movies from over the years and somehow made a canon universe for them just with with post-credit scenes. (laughs) That's pretty cool. I I really have been out of the uh, Godzilla, you know, situation for a while. I haven't caught the the, the, – not the original one. I haven't caught the most recent one. I saw the one with Brian Cranston from a couple years ago. Oh, when he was in it for two yeah, seconds. But I heard, <laughs> yeah, I, but I heard that Godzilla vs. the Monsters was really, really good. I just haven't caught it yet. Um, but King Kong, you know, take him or leave him. It'll be an interesting way to... Let's see what happens. Who knows? I yeah, mean, it's, a, see what it's happens. such a niche group. Like, I don't know. It, it's one of those things where I doubt I'll go pay. I thought I'd go to the movie. Exactly. Go pay. That's what I'm getting. But like, at. if it shows up on you know HBO Go or Netflix or Amazon Prime, one of the thousand subscriptions. Yeah. If it shows up there, I might spend an afternoon and watch it. Why not? Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, let's wrap up here and run through a couple of the uh, top items for TV that we know that are coming this year. Um, we've got everything from streaming services to the networks. So. Uh, I'm going to run through them real quick in the interest of time, and then we'll kind of get some some quick wrap-up comments on it if you're okay with that. Um, so coming out this year, and I don't have dates for most of them because they get to be a little bit more tricky with TV, but we've got Season 4 of Stranger Things. Um, we should be getting Season 2 of The Witcher, but I did see a recent um, statement that it may actually be 2021. It was just too awesome not to also mention here. 
Uh, we're going to get season two of The Boys, season two of Mandalorian, season three of Westworld. Um, we've got Umbrella Academy season two coming out, the debut of Picard, you know, the, the Star Trek show focusing all around the legendary Jean-Luc Picard. That's going to be on the CBS streaming service. Jean-Luc. Um, <laughs> Jean-Luc. And then uh, on Disney Plus, we're going to see Falcon and Winter Soldier. They also announced recently that WandaVision will actually be in 2020 and not 2021. And then moving over to more of the network uh, type items, we've got The Magicians coming back, Brooklyn Nine-Nine coming back. Of course, Arrow, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow are coming back and definitely have to call out it's going to be the final season of Arrow. We've also got the final season of Homeland coming up. If you're a big Homeland fan, that's been running for a long time. Narcos Mexico is coming back. And then I've actually been really interested to go back and catch back up on The Expanse now that it's moved to Amazon. Yeah. Just because it looks like they've really upped the production level there. So I know that is a ton of TV shows. But uh, out of that list there, Kyle, what are you most looking forward to? Uh, it's You can't not say The Mandalorian Season 2. Uh, uh-huh, that one, that sure. one's gonna be amazing. Stranger Things season four, pretty much everything Disney Plus is putting out there as far as Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, maybe. I mean, I'm gonna watch it because it's just Marvel, so I'm gonna watch it. Uh, maybe not as excited as you know as I am for Falcon and Winter Soldier. I need to find a way to watch Picard. I, yeah. I I'm not sure how I'm. Gonna, Your big start. I don't. Yeah. yeah, I know you need that. I don't know how I'm gonna do it because I don't want to pay for another streaming service, but I need to watch Picard <laughs> somehow. Uh, and then what? You could do like the, you could do like what you did with the the PS Now. You know, you could just wait for them all to come out. You know, pay for it for like a month, knock them all out, and boom, you're done. Yeah, yeah, that that could that could work. That could work. And then get your fix. Lastly, Westworld three. I feel like I've had to wait an eternity for Westworld three. Yeah, for sure. It, Westworld 3 is probably top of the list just because of that and the fact that we've been waiting for so long with the end of Game of Thrones. They, you know, delayed it. Um, but we got Aaron Paul coming into that. You know, it's kind of moving from just the theme park and those, you know, boundaries over it from what the trailers have seen. It looks like they're moving out into the real world. Right. So it, it should take it to a whole nother level. Um, so I'm definitely with you on that one. Definitely pumped about it. Excited to see that expanded universe. Yeah, exactly. The expanded universe should be real interesting and in how the robots, you know, really interact in the real world and with people that don't maybe necessarily know that they're interacting with robots from, you know, what it seemed yeah, like yeah. in the trailers. So um, I, I definitely can't, uh, can't wait for Brooklyn Nine-Nine to come back. I know you got me into that show and we just like blitzed through it. Uh, while the the break was between last season and this season, so we'll be catching up on that. Um, but I, I also had to mention that I'm kind of sad to see Homeland and Arrow go. You know, as much as um, I haven't caught the last two seasons, just from a time perspective, Arrow's got you know a million episodes per season. But those have both been great long running shows, and you know to see anything wrap up like that, it's always a little bit of a bummer. So. Yeah, Arrow was one that I'd say around season five I dipped. Like I just, I just couldn't keep up. It was crazy between Arrow and Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. It was too much television. I, I literally just couldn't keep up. So I fell behind and then eventually just abandoned it. But I always said, okay, well, when the series ends and it all goes up on Netflix because it goes on Netflix exactly. pretty quickly, this will definitely be a a watch through. Yeah, that's exactly where we're at. Was when we cut cable, we also kind of lost track on some of the shows that we were watching week to week. 
and we went to mostly streaming services so that was where we we ended with that one was once they all get on netflix and it's over we'll finish it up and and see what happens to oliver queen and all of and them. i have heard that 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 show while it dipped in the middle it returned to form in the late seasons so I'm that's excited plus. to get it back and i like Stephen amell uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah. support Stephen amell oh for sure you know and it's just tough when you make shows that have 20 23 episodes a season and you go five, six, seven seasons. Like, there's always going to be some downtimes, and th- and we definitely experienced some of that with Arrow, because um, it was right around then that we had had dropped it off as far as uh, our cable goes. So, uh, I'm really hopeful though that they give it the justice and and give him a good finish. Um, they've got so much that is built out on the Arrowverse, you know, since they started that show with Supergirl, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, all these shows, Black Lightning, kind of operating in that Batwoman. same Batwoman debuting batwoman now yeah i forgot about batwoman now so it it deserves all of the the backing to get a good ending and then let these other shows go and continue the legacy yeah for sure for sure so all right there it is there's a ton coming in the uh, world of geekery whether it's consoles games tv movies um, and then a ton more that we couldn't even cover here today but hopefully that gives you a good preview on what is to come. Get your pre-orders lined up. Save your money. There's going to be a lot of things to spend it on this year. Uh, and as always, let us know if there's anything that we missed here that uh, that you're excited for in 2020. Thank you for listening to Geek Catch-Up. If you enjoyed today's chapter, please remember to subscribe to Geek Catch-Up on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out Geek Catchup on Facebook and YouTube, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Geek Catchup Pod for updates on new episodes every two weeks. Stay saucy.